0: 3, 2, 1, 0. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.
1: This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm J.D. Layton.
2: I'm Emily Moshek.
1: Only on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins.
2: welcome to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins. I am your host, Emily Moshak, and I'm joined in studio by my co-host,
3: J.D. Leighton,
2: our lovely reporters, Katie Otter,
3: and Maximus Hunter,
2: and a very special guest today, Katie's Aunt Lisa. We got Aunt Lisa in the studio. Aunt Lisa in the
3: house.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Come say hi. Come
0: say hi this is very exciting thank you for being letting me be part of KCSU. yes thanks for
2: being here she's a longtime fan of the review and she's here so dreams come do come true (laughs) listeners anyway we've got a great show for you jam-packed with sports music review and a special interview with aaron terry reviewing our stadium but in the meantime we have local newscast coming up for you
0: i'm katie otter and here's your local news The Fort Collins Police identified the man who was hit by the train last week, says Sadie Swanson from the Coloradoan. His name is Blake West, a 29-year-old resident of Fort Collins. The Larimer County Coroner's Office ruled his death a suicide caused by multiple blunt force injuries. He was pronounced dead at the scene. The collision wreaked havoc on the evening commute in Fort Collins as nearby streets were backed up with commuters trying to get through the east-west traffic around the blockage. Traffic delays were evident along College Avenue, Shield Street, Drake Road, and other side streets. If you or someone you know is at risk for suicide, contact the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. It is no secret that Fort Collins and Larimer County residents have a love-hate relationship with the cell, with cell phone towers, but that's not stopping them from being put up, reports Kevin Dugan of the Colorado. Despite public distaste of the appearance of cell phone towers, residents' desire for good coverage is making them an increasing necessity. City planner Clay Frickery said Fort Collins has proposed nine wireless facilities going through some level of development review several other towers have been approved they are already under construction or going through the process of a building permit kdvr states that the area where the fort collins man who fought off and killed a mountain lion who attacked him during a trail run remains closed the runner whose name has not been released fought off the cougar hiked out of the area and drove himself to the hospital he suffered. Uh, facial cuts, ri- wrist injuries, and puncture wounds to his arms, legs, and back. Ty Petersburg, a biologist with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, says that in the two hours between when officers were told of the attack and when they arrived to the scene, the lion's organs were already eaten by other wildlife. Therefore, and necroropsy couldn't determine the animal's sex or weight. Denver Post states that Fort Collins police on Thursday released 911 audio and body camera footage of a fatal officer involved shooting this past January. Joshua Moore, age 35, died on January 12th when police responded to reports of an active shooter on the 2600 block of Bradbury Court, according to police. The Larimer County Coroner's Office ruled last month that Moore's death was a suicide and that he died of self-inflicted gunshot wound. The 911 calls, body camera footage, and a message from police chief Jeff- Jeffrey Swabada are posted on YouTube. I'm Katie Otter for local news, and thank you to Allison Tackett
2: for writing these stories. Thank you very much, Katie. And up next, we have an interview that was done by our sports director, Nick Baker, with Aaron Terry's thoughts on the new CSU, new ish CSU stadium.
1: Right. And he's a reviewer who reviews stadiums,
2: which is a job, I it guess. It is a
1: job. So, you know, <laughs> dreams really do come true. They if do. If I could review stadiums for my job, I
4: definitely would.
2: I agree. Well, Aaron, <laughs> yes, it's coming, coming up, up next, next. Right here on the Rocky Mountain Review.
4: All right, so just before we uh, get into the real meat of the interview, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone at home what Stadium Journey is, what you guys do.
5: Sure. Stadium Journey is a website where we try to write reviews of stadiums, so we do all levels, professional, college. We'll also do minor league if there are some, um, or other like amateur leagues sometimes, different sports, so football, basketball, baseball, hockey, you name it. Um, I've even done roller derby. And it really focuses on the experience at the stadium or the arena so people can have an understanding of what they will experience when they go there.
4: So what kind of things so do you sorry, what, what kind of things do you focus on um, in, in those reviews?
5: So there's a couple different criteria. Okay. So we focus on first of all, like food and beverage, like what kinds of uh, drinks or food can you buy at the venue? And then we also focus on the atmosphere. So how full is the venue, whether there's good crowd noise, what kind of entertainment they have. Like some of them have mascots who we can talk to or they'll interact with fans. Or Some of them will do free giveaways. Then the uh, third one we do is neighborhoods. What is there in the area to do? Like is there a restaurant you can go to? Or is there activities that you can go visit like Maybe tourist attraction are things you can do,
4: okay, <laughs> yeah, and
5: then we also talk about return on investment, how much does it cost then there's one for access, how easy is it to get in and out and then uh when am I missing I think that's it
4: oh perfect so so that's a lot of criteria in there um one of the stadiums you came to visit was was canvas stadium and its opening game last year uh where on those um on those criterias did canvas stadium fit in uh, and how does that compare to other stadiums you've been to
5: oh sure it's actually a little bit it's, it's a little higher than most so the so what we do is for each of the criteria there's the seven criteria i just mentioned mm-hmm. and they each get a rank from from one to five okay and so i uh, canvas stadium is around a 4.3 uh, i think and so it, it it got perfect ratings on certain things and then pretty high ratings on a lot of things So, for example, food and beverage, obviously, Canvas Stadium scores really highly because they've got the bar in the end zone where people can hang out, the patio. And then there's also lots of different options for people for concessions, like food and beverage options. And then uh, some of of the tricky parts, maybe where they didn't score quite as well, are for access, right, because you've got to park maybe kind of far away. Right. There's not the really close, close giant parking lots that people can have. But then, for other things, you've you certainly got good crowd noise, lots of fan energy, lots of people wearing uh, team shirts. For example, that's that's the thing we like to see. Yeah, and then it's definitely a comfortable stadium because it has uh, bucket-style seats in a lot of areas for people, so it's a lot more comfortable, a better viewing experience. Um, even little things like having cup holders or things like that would would help us stadium's rating.
4: Yeah, category. absolutely. It's definitely got a lot of pretty great features. One of the ones you mentioned was uh, the new Belgium porch, something that CSU was really excited to have. Uh, have you ever seen anything like that in other stadiums? And if so, how common are they?
5: Um, I actually have not. Um, they, they're, I was actually in an arena stadium the other day, and they have a bar that's inside of the arena. And this is an indoor football stadium, so it's obviously a lot smaller. But there's a bar in there that has a viewing ledge where you can sit at the ledge and kind of look out and see the game. And maybe some of the pro stadiums, like Yankee Stadium, will have a full-size restaurant in it. But I don't see that in college at all, where there's like some kind of place there where people can go and hang out. But in only, only in the pro levels, I think, do, do you see that kind of thing.
4: Yeah, absolutely. One of those... Uh, pieces that they were really excited about, and rightfully so. Um, when it was being built, it was getting a few comparisons to two pro stadiums, like Mile High in Denver. Um, do you feel like those those comparisons are are accurate, or, or where would you put it in comparison to a pro stadium?
5: So, so there's there's pros and cons. So personally, I I really love the size of Canvas Stadium, around the forty thousand to fifty thousand mark. I've I've been to bigger stadiums like Michigan or Nebraska. But it makes it really, really difficult. It's it's certainly a loud and fun atmosphere, and and that's true. And Mile High Stadium as well is a fun atmosphere because a lot of people yelling and screaming, so you really feel the energy. But getting in and out is really, really a challenge. And so I I really do like the smaller stadium. I think it's an accurate comparison. And I I, I really like Canvas because you have enough people there to have that really good crowd energy, but it's not so ginormous that you can't get in and out easily and it becomes a hassle to make kind of a day of it, uh, whereas that's a place like Canvas, you can go in see the game and get out kind of relatively quickly, whereas a mile high, you might have to spend a lot more time in traffic or a lot more time getting to your seat, walking around. So I, I, think, I think that's the real benefit of a stadium the size of Canvas.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing that people were kind of concerned with before the stadium was actually finished was tailgating um, one of the big – pluses of the old stadium was it was you know almost in the middle of nowhere in the foothills so tailgating there was a huge parking lot people did it in the parking lot um but but the csu kind of uh fixed that and they they made a whole uh, stadium walk around with uh, um tailgating all around it um have you seen anything like that in in college college stadiums that are on campus or uh, is that something that's that's a little bit more new
5: um, there's a couple of them that have tried to, I, I, I think some of the newer ones, but I mean, we're talking a, a handful like Texas A&M now has a plaza that they built around where people can do tailgating. But most of the stadiums, because not very many of them are that new, um, you, you, you might see more of a tailgating as you walk up to it because there's people just who have tents um, on the grass around the stadium because there's not really anything around the stadium itself because um, the parking lots are further out, like you'll see that at Oklahoma, for example, there's just a bunch of tents where people are setting up and, and playing cornhole or, or barbecuing whatever they're doing. And then the parking lots are further out. But only in the in the newest stadiums you're starting to see this this kind of plaza slash concourse area. And then maybe in some of the really, really small stadiums, you actually will have people tailgating in the parking lot. so so at, a, at maybe like in eastern Michigan, you'll see that because they've got this huge parking lot and they never get anywhere near a sellout crowd. So people just end up tailgating in that parking lot. So I I think there's probably a trend that's going to continue where you have stadiums like that, where they're focusing on letting people tailgate closer to the stadium to build up that buzz and excitement.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, so it sounds like they're a little bit um, kind of a pioneer in that industry. Uh, One other aspect I want to touch on that they're trying to move to a power five conference um with a stadium like this in your opinion, what kind of of push does that make towards a, a bid towards a higher conference?
5: Oh I think it helps a lot. um the smallest one I can think of um i I'm not sure you probably know better than me about Colorado. But Utah is about that same size, too. Right. And especially having a newer stadium, I think that, that helps a lot because it, it it helps the ticket sales, right? You want to get some fans in, especially early on. I know there's limitations on how many fans that they want to see or, or, or expectations about how many fans they want to see. And so it's, with a nice, new, shiny stadium, people want to go there and bring up that atmosphere. So I think that helps them quite a bit. And, and, and they're not um at the bottom there's 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 several schools like i mentioned i think colorado maybe utah probably some others that are that are slightly smaller or maybe the same size that are already in those so i think those doors have already been opened I, sorry uh,
4: you're fine go it's that a recording a so
5: strike in my uh, in my town here oh geez um
4: yeah just go ahead and uh start wherever you but, want uh, it's a recording but
5: but, but i think uh 10 years ago it might have been difficult to do that but nowadays since you've got those other teams that have had those smaller stadiums have already made that leap i think it makes it easier for you to have that transition
4: yeah absolutely uh, another part of it you mentioned was the crowd noise csu has a a pretty loyal fan base for for being you know not quite as prestigious a football school as as a lot of other ones you mentioned oklahoma nebraska michigan all those uh, how does csu's fan base compare to those bigger schools
5: I think it's a really, really great fan base. And, and how you measure it, at least from, from our standpoint, the stadium journey, is you look at how many people show up in T-shirts. You look at whether people stay at the at the game the whole time. Um, there's a lot of uh, stadiums where you think they have a really good fan base, like SEC schools like Tennessee. But by the fourth quarter, the whole stadium is empty because people left. So if you've got fans that are sticking around, if you've got fans that are wearing jerseys, if you've got fans that are standing up the whole time, I think that's really the mark of it. Um, the, the only downside, of course, is the size because you're not going to have the 80,000 maybe that Nebraska has. But in terms of the people you've got there, you see all those elements, people standing up, wearing jerseys, and, and people staying for the whole game.
4: Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I'm going to use that, that clip that you just uh, did with me there, that whole interview on the uh, pregame show for Hawaii that's uh, on, on August 25th. Um, okay. and I, I can send you a, a link to that. Uh, if you want, uh, and then I also was going to use this interview on August twentieth on my show, um, and I, I have another little piece that I'd like to ask you uh, about other stadiums other than CSU for that one because that one's not just CSU based. So sure, that's per- fine. All right, perfect. So we'll we'll go into that one. So outside of CSU, uh, there's you know obviously a lot of other stadiums that you cover. What what uh, stadiums do you cover in most? You, you mentioned that you guys cover minor league, pro. Uh, in baseball, all throughout the sports, what, what's your uh, forte of stadiums you usually go to?
5: So for me personally, um, it's really football. That, that's, that's the one I really like to, to go to. In fact, I've, I've been to all of the FBS stadiums since I started back in 2005, except for Liberty, who just joined. And then I've been to the pro stadiums um, as well. So that's my personal favorite. For a stadium journey, I think baseball is actually the biggest thing. Most of our writers are are really into baseball. There's some people who work for the post office, for example, who take summer-long trips, and they go around for two weeks and see nine different stadiums in a kind of a two-week span. So, So that's probably the bulwark for all of Stadium Journey. And then the rest of them kind of fall out, either hockey, soccer, things like
4: that. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like you guys got a pretty good spread there. So of all the stadiums you've been to, which one is your personal favorite and why?
5: So... Um, th- this is something that possibly CSU yes, could try to imitate, but the most memorable one, I think, is actually Colorado, and really it's because they have Ralphie that runs around the field, and it's that kind of crazy event that really gets people excited at the beginning of the game. And so if there was some kind of momentous thing that a stadium can do, and, and I-, I can't think of of other stadiums that do something quite that dramatic. So you you've-, you've got a lot of schools that have, Maybe they'll have a Falcon that flies around or something like that, but there there's nothing except maybe in some of the pro sports where they have the people coming on the field and there's flames spurting and crazy energy like that in college. That's, that's really the, the one that sticks out in my head is having this Buffalo run around the field, dragging these seven people. And so I think if other stadiums could bring that kind of energy to start off the game, um, Two reasons why that works really well. First of all, it gets people to have their butts in the seats before the game starts because a lot of people kind of come in late, and so that doesn't help the help the team in the first quarter, right? Have that have the fan cheering. Yeah, definitely. And then it also gets people energized and excited, so they're young and screaming when when kickoff happens. So I, I think for that reason only, that that would be the one that I would I would say makes it the most enjoyable.
4: Definitely on, on CSU's campus, that's a bit of a. Uh, dangerous opinion but I think you justified it well enough. Ralphie is a uh, you know one of the more acceptable parts of CSU or CU here on, on CSU's campus. Um like you said uh, earlier there's there's a lot of wild fan bases too. Um two 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 part question here. What is the best fan base you've ever seen and what is the wildest fan base you've ever seen?
5: Well, so I'm I'm going to I'm going to show my bias here but but Texas A&M and I'm sure you've heard the stories where yeah. they're they're doing the 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 Aggie wore him, and the stadium was shaking back to forth. in fact uh you can you can talk to members of the press who've sat in the press box and, and they're there for the first time, and they're scared out of their minds because they feel like there's an earthquake or something happening. <laughs> and the old hands kind of laugh at him and say, no, that's that's just the students like rocking out, no, no worries so so in terms of that, um th- they make fun of people. they call them two percenters who leave early because I guess ninety eight percent of people stay the whole time. So that that is probably the most solid fan base, and and they just renovated their stadium as well. So it's it's even bigger now than than when I was there. Um, in terms of the wildest fan base and and probably the most inappropriate fan base is, is Wisconsin. Um, they have chants that include swear words. So and their students are very, uh, I guess you would say, vulgar. So it's not really a very family friendly atmosphere. Um, so so that might be one that people with kids. Will uh, choose to avoid? Yeah, you might want
4: to think twice before you go to one of those games.
5: <laughs> yeah. yeah, their students. Uh, I mean, and you know, they, of course, they have beer, right? But but everyone has beer nowadays, right? Um, nowadays, it, it, it's funny you say that because I, I bring my girlfriend to games now, and she used to be worried about it, but nowadays it, it's such a more safe space, and you can text if there's a problem in your seat. Right. And there's lots more staff or police officers. I think it's a lot more safer atmosphere. But I don't think Wisconsin has caught up with that trend quite yet.
4: <laughs> Hopefully they'll come around soon. Um, like, like you said, you've been working for Stadium Journey for uh, 13 years now. Um, how have stadiums in general changed, new stadiums, renovations, the stadiums in, in the time that you've worked there?
5: Well, so it, it's really about the amenities, right? So I've actually been to the old CSU Stadium, and I remember it was, just in, there's a big empty parking lot, and then there's the stadium sitting there. Right Now now you start to see where they have more comfortable chairs. They're trying to bring in the, the alums, for example. So at Texas A&M, they put in the Bernie Richardson Zone, which has the bucket-style seats. they of the bleachers. It's got the cup holders. It's got the purse hooks for women who come in with their husbands, maybe, so they can have their stuff all taken care of. Um, you see bigger bathrooms. You see wider concourses. So you just spend a lot more real estate um, making it comfortable instead of just trying to pack people in. And it's a challenge for, for stadiums who don't want to build a new one because it, it's difficult. With a place like Michigan, it's old enough. And a place like Nebraska, you can't really renovate it without tearing it out in some respects. You can't just make it better unless you're willing to spend the money and the effort to, to kind of redo a whole sections. So that's what Texas A&M had to do. Um, but, but it's really using a lot more real estate make it a lot more comfortable. A lot of them, I think, are making them smaller, which which maybe was CSU's driving force, too. Because if you only have a 40,000, 50,000-seat stadium, you can afford to put in all those amenities that maybe in the past would have been used to build a second level or something like that, or a third level right, to make it bigger. But you, I, I, it's kind of like houses, right? Right. You probably, you probably see more square footage per person, whereas in the old days you'd have... You know, a, a thousand square foot whole home, and it would have five people. Now you have double that, and it's still the same five people who live there.
4: Right. So just it, it's following a similar trend to housing and, and other um, businesses in just common life.
5: And and you'll see that, too, in, in the pro stage. And, and it's, it's kind of funny because, I mean, you know this, that the attendance at games is falling in, in all sports, college level as well. Right. But I went to a Washington Nationals game last summer, and they have this giant lounge area where people are just sitting there, and there's fans blowing and whatever, and people are relaxing there. It's not even within sight of the game, <laughs> but people don't really care. They're just there to hang out. Maybe they take a selfie of themselves on the field, but that's it. They don't. They don't even necessarily want to come see the game. They want to be part of this atmosphere.
4: So maybe it... after worries. Yeah, definitely. Maybe a bit of uh, of rebranding for the, the teams that notice the, the t- attendance is falling. They just want people to come. Yeah. Okay, it, it, interesting. It's
5: sad, but it's almost like people, it's almost like they just want to be able to show up and take a selfie to say they were there, and then and they don't even care to watch the rest of the game. So I think that's what you're saying. You've got to have some other draw, which is unfortunate. But right. you need some other draw besides the, the game itself to keep people's interest because attention spans are falling. And so you see, of course, and you may have this as well, but they have the cell phone charging station, right? and the concessions are better, more variety, for example. So so that's another trend you'll see continuing. Um, you'll see that in baseball. I think the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks have these ridiculous concessions options. Like they have a, you'll love this maybe, but they have this <laughs> churro hot dog where it's basically a uh, a hot dog bun made out of donut batter, and they have a churro in it with three scoops of ice cream and chocolate sauce, and it costs like maybe $12, but it's just oh, wow. over top ridiculous concessions item, which you can't get anywhere else. Oh, yeah. So maybe that's one of the reasons you'll come to the, to the game. So if there's something unique and crazy over the top, I think people are willing to do that to draw some fans in.
4: Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, how many more new stadiums pop up, and uh, we'll definitely love to hear from you again in the future.
5: Yeah, yeah I'd love to. It's
4: yeah, been a, uh, It's been a fun time. Yeah, absolutely. I'll send you a text with the uh, dates of those shows uh, and the link to the website if you want to uh, um, listen in or, or have anyone listen in, and I can uh, send you a audio file of this re- uh, interview when I edit it if you want as well.
5: Oh, no, that would, that would be great. Um, yeah. Is there more that you think you need, or do you think you're...
4: Uh, I think for right yeah. now this is probably good, um, but yeah. I, I could be in yeah. contact with you uh, if um, if something else comes up.
5: Yeah, sorry, it was a challenge to get us connected. Hopefully, yeah. it was uh, it worked out for you.
4: Yeah, definitely had to get the tech guy in here, but we we got figure it figured out.
5: It, it's interesting. There's, I mean, there's, you know, you talk about the stadiums, and so there's things about that, but then there's also like really interesting experiences. Like one time I was at a game where. Oklahoma got Oklahoma Oklahoma State got beat by Troy, and Oklahoma State was ranked. And so uh-huh. we rushed the field after the game and tore down the goalpost. So even though the stadium isn't really necessarily memorable when you do this so much, then you, you remember these. I remember when I went to this game; this thing happened,
4: uh-huh.
5: and it was really you know really kind of cool. So yeah, it's 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 definitely worth going to see all these games
4: yeah definitely that's that's one of my dreams honestly is to uh, right now i'm about half the way through the mlb stadiums and then nfl is probably next to go to all of them so
5: well yeah if you wait till what 2021 you can see that new with the one in vegas
4: or yeah yeah, the the one I'm, in LA. yeah i'm excited for those yeah yeah definitely
5: well, that's awesome man
4: yeah definitely well thanks for taking time out of your day to talk to me and uh yeah have a great day man no problem thank you yep, thank you bye, bye.
2: That was our sports director, Nick Baker, interviewing Aaron Terry, who was giving us his review of our very own Canvas Stadium. And I think we learned that he likes CU's stadium better.
1: I, in a uh, completely unbiased opinion, happen to disagree with that statement, but that is beside the point.
2: We'll have more (laughs) sports related news for CSU coming up soon in the show with Ray. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins. I'm your host, Emily Moschak, joined in studio by my co host,
1: JD
3: Leighton,
2: and our two lovely reporters, Katie Otter,
3: and Maximus Hunter.
2: And we are going to discuss a new decision that just happened today in, or yesterday, excuse me, my bad, in Fort Collins, which is that the Thornton Pipeline has been rejected. Boom. Boom. <laughs> boom. I, like Max Big is making news. a boom face. So right. I was looking at
1: him. Now, uh, Max, you've been you've been updating us uh, on this story as it's been going on. If you don't mind me putting you on the spot, could you give Not our listeners a brief rundown of what's been going on with that?
3: Absolutely. So the Thornton pipeline was a proposed pipeline that would run from the Poudre River to the city of Thornton, delivering about 70,000 gallons of water a year. Now, the idea behind this was Thornton's farmers uh, actually get their water from the area and do have the right to that water uh, by the year 2025. So this was Thornton's idea of a way to get them that water and create some commerce between our two cities. Uh, However, the pipeline has been met with a a lot of criticism in the past in a a few different ways. Uh, First of all, the city of Thornton, uh, at least according to Larimer County, has been notoriously secretive um, about the process of developing the plan for the pipeline and... Uh, Larimer County residents have spoken out against the pipeline uh, due to the fear that it would disrupt the river and uh, construction would disrupt the area. It seems like now that the city has rejected it, uh, Thornton will probably go back to the drawing board about how to figure out getting its farmers that water.
2: Hmm. My question is, I'm not super up to date on this. Why is this a problem now? Like were the farmers always in need of that water? Well they or like how have they been getting it before this whole pipeline thing? It's probably got to
1: <laughs> accommodate for future growth as well as maybe that's when their water rights somewhere else are are ending as far as I know. They got this in the 80s, oh, right? Okay. They purchased it then. Yeah. Uh, oh, so wow. they they've, they've been sitting on this for a while and they're just trying to act on it before it's too late. Yeah.
2: Exactly
3: because um, the the plan the plan I believe it's part of a fuller infrastructure plan that is supposed to come to fruition by 2025.
2: Mhm. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if it'd be, like, I understand people's frustration about it, especially, you know, with how important the Poudre River is to the Fort Collins community. Like, everyone here loves the Poudre, and there's so much you can do. But I also, I understand their frustration. I mean, if it's taking this long, and they really need that water. They need to get the
3: water somehow, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. There were some proposed alternatives. Uh, An alternative pipeline was proposed starting around Windsor, but um, that degraded the quality of the water. Mm-hmm. There, is, um, there is a program in place called Puder Flows, and Pooter Flows is actually uh, an entirety of Northern Colorado plan where many different municipalities in Northern Colorado donate their water to the pooter, which uh, there was some discussion, I know, on day two of public comment on this pipeline about using pooter Flows to get water to the farmers. So that option might be on the table. But the city of Thorn definitely has uh, to come up with a new plan pretty quick.
1: i'm uh, I'm curious as to what they meant by uh, the the Windsor pipeline degrading the quality of the water. I wonder if it's just introducing more uh, like materials into it and making it more difficult to filter and process because typically you want to have your on-site uh, water processing in, in your in your community and if you're just banking on pure water, that seems like a a, a plan for disaster.
3: Agreed. Um, well, part of it I know is once the uh, once the water comes out of the pooter, it has to go through more water beds, which just makes it harder to filter.
1: Mm, okay, so it it picks up additional debris on the way. That actually exactly. makes sense.
3: Exactly. Uh, another issue with that plan was it may actually drain water from lakes further down the way, which uh, could cause unpredictable. Um, damage as well as uh, property damage, not just damage to the local ecosystem.
1: That is true. Colorado does not have that many lakes, so hurting them, especially what we do call lakes, it, it would be pretty yeah. devastating. We'll
3: be, yeah, well, and they're be, pretty
1: too. They're small. Yeah, and it, and it would be exceptionally difficult to try and recuperate that, especially with the limited water supply. And that's that's, I feel like, a big part of why this is such a hot-button issue, is because water is very scarce out in
2: Colorado. Yeah. And it's definitely
0: dry. Yeah, it's definitely a, a wicked problem that, you, like you said, needs to be solved quickly. And it's going to be tough because you're not going to be able to please everybody. No. There's going to be someone at the end of the day who is deeply upset. Isn't
3: happy. And no one likes construction. No matter what happens, there's going to be some construction. Oh yeah! Oh, gosh, I uh,
1: I I think I have a solution for this issue. What oh if, yeah! Oh, <laughs> what if we, right, uh, so here's here is a, an an exceptionally environmentally friendly solution, and and do take this with a a, a light note. A bucket brigade, Ooh. all the way from <laughs> from the pooter to Thornton. I like it.
0: Are you? Think of think
1: of the jobs we are you going to volunteer for this. Oh, no. Beyond
2: the Bucket Brigade? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Definitely <laughs> really not. My hands
1: aren't calloused enough for that.
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness. In due time. Yeah. I do think this is kind of the pipeline issue is an example of issues we're going to be facing a lot in Colorado, especially yeah. these past elections in November, Proposition 112, mm-hmm. with the debate about do we honor farmers' property or do we try to save the environment? Absolutely. And it's definitely hard for me because in f- long time future, I, of course, I'm like, well, climate change save the environment. Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to be bad. But it's not so easy to just sacrifice people's livelihoods and property and economy. Especially with at a, the snap of a finger.
3: With a growing state and growing infrastructure and a growing need for more infrastructure, more modern infrastructure, these kind of problems are definitely going to keep popping up. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Right, yeah. I know.
0: Population growth in Colorado is just going up year by year and It really is. Contributing to why so many of these problems are hard to solve.
2: Yeah, it's definitely, it Mm. is hard to solve. And I think at least one problem I see is when people say the planet is the most important thing, which I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but I feel like they're very dismissive of people who are directly affected by the environmental measures. And they say, yeah, like it sucks that you are going to lose your property, but the planet is more important, which... I get, but I feel like if you're the one losing your property, yeah, you're no, gonna you're take that in yeah. that way. Nobody, no. nobody wants yeah. to
1: lose property, and uh, that was that was a big pushback against this as well. So it would, uh, it would, it would shut down some roads, which is you know that's a bummer, but those will go away. But it would also, uh, you know, affect people's property. Something like 21 houses were were going to be affected with uh, this new pipeline
2: if the pipeline was put in right yeah oh, okay. nobody
1: wants th- to like be told yeah sorry we've got to move a pipeline through your house i don't necessarily know the logistics of that if it's uh you got to pack up and move or if they're going to try and do some
2: it's to run right through the
0: living room uh,
2: <laughs> gotta, yeah just got to deal with it. watching tv <laughs> rest your feet up on the pipe <laughs> i don't know but yeah i think this is definitely going to be an issue that will expand um As we continue to move into our future and people have more discussions about environmentalism,
1: I'm curious to uh, see what Thornton will actually propose for a a new solution. I'm hoping it's teleportation.
2: (laughs) Teleportation. I just hope
3: they can make their dreams come true.
2: Yeah, there we go. Make your dreams come true. Hashtag make your dreams come true. Yep. Even though we don't <laughs> have Twitter on the Rocky Mountain Review. Yes. You can always yeah, yes.
1: hit us up at the uh, KCSU FM Twitter. Yes. Hashtag make your dreams come true. Hashtag that is true. make your dreams come true. Yes. Let us know.
2: Yes. And if you would like to join in on this discussion, feel free to call or text at 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-KCSU. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned because we've got sports on the way. And then later on, our national newscast. Right here on the Rocky Mountain Review, you're listening to 90.5. KCSU And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins I'm your host, Emily Moshak, joined in studio by my co-host
1: I am J.D. Layton
2: Our reporters Katie Otter
1: and Maximus Hunter
2: and our sports director We're, Ray McGowan. Oh, okay. Oh, no. I uh, thought it,
1: I thought it was Slay McGowan. Now
2: stop. Oh, I hate that. oh my. my gosh.
6: But you are going to tell us a
2: little bit about CSU
6: sports, right? Yes, I am. Last Wednesday was Colorado State's football's fight on event, where head coach Mike Bobo introduced fifteen athletes that have joined CSU during the early signing period. Some notable noticeable names include junior transfer wide receiver Nate Craig Myers. Craig Myers played for Auburn his past two seasons and was once ranked number 2 wide receiver by ESPN while in high school. Another name that plenty of Broncos fans will recognize is cornerback Keevan Bailey, son of former Denver Bronco Hall of Famer Champ Bailey. Keevan had 7 interceptions, 42 solo tackles, and 3 forced fumbles during his senior season. Other athletes from Colorado also include Aiden Cullen, Kyle Helbig, and Sian Quiroga. It is a fun name for that, that's for sure. Say that five times fast if I you can. Absolutely will not. That is yeah, I'm not gonna get involved in saying that name at all. For CSU basketball, it was a tough week in having a bunch of losses coming off i know that for the csu women's basketball team they lost against wyoming as well as the cus men team at wyoming both teams got down to an eight and oh star in terms of in the first quarter and neither of them were able to bounce back and it's been a tough tough little ride but it really matters especially with uh head coach uh nico medved he said that this is the games that really matter and if the games that we don't prepare come and bite us that's going to hurt us in the end especially when it comes to the mountain West tournament
1: Moral of the story is prepare for every game like it's your last game. Absolutely, wow. yeah,
6: exactly. I, that's a, that's See, a, I should have put my a,
1: application in for coaching.
6: That's a good <laughs> way to put it. My goodness. All right, hey, did you want just you want to take my job? That's. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfectly fine you see it? the the CSU women's soccer team also announced their full 2019 spring schedule th- later uh, earlier. Uh, I can't even talk, earlier this day uh, it also includes an 8v8 indoor event, uh, they're also going to play in Kansas Stadium for a couple of more events, seeing that multi-stadium you know I guess venue that they keep on promoting about but we never really see so more CSU women's games in canvas stadium as well as The CSU tennis team had a game. They earned a 6-1 road win against Grand Canyon University So I had so I have a couple friends that go to Grand Canyon University constantly yell at me go pokes and I tell them stop it and uh, (laughs) the CSU women's tennis team I guess shut him up. So I haven't heard anything from uh this week. That's a good thing for that me. That is
1: that is good. Go tennis.
6: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yay. Tennis.
6: Exactly. But that's really about it for CSU sports.
2: That's, I like tennis. I like to watch tennis because they all make those like ah every time they hit the you know what I'm talking about? Like those grunts every time they hit the tennis and ball. Little, like, and they make sound. really weird
3: sounds. The, the ball hits the racket it goes like Pah.
2: No, not that. It's like the players. Like they all have a weird grunt. Oh no, it's
3: like a why is symphony that your of, favorite like, part of Pah, tennis? Pah. Pah. Pah.
2: Like that! Pah. See, it's like you're watching tennis on the radio.
6: I'm in a room full of idiots. No, No, there was one. I was
2: shocked. I was watching like Wimbledon or whatever famous tennis tournament it is. And one woman's, instead of like grunting, hers was like, whoo. And I was like, what? And she did it every time. Like it was not a joke. And I was so confused.
6: It takes a lot of precision and strength to play tennis, as well as a lot of agility. I have respect.
2: Sometimes
0: when I golf, I grunt. Just oh to yeah. See, you know? And what? it does that's, help. It does. it does. It helps. Dance Thank you Katie. Thank you Katie
6: for that golf That's literally the most quietest sport. Hashtag you, grunt golf. Okay. Never mind. Hashtag make your dreams come true. Let's not have that trending on Twitter. Thank Ooh, you.
2: Yeah, definitely not. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you, Ray, for
6: that lovely CSU. I, I, all I know is that I don't want to take y'all mini golfing, that's for sure. I'm oh, scared. I'm great. At I'll
1: go, I'm scared. But I'm not going to be grunting the whole time through. Okay. I'll take you. Oh, I'll
2: all take you, cool. JD. Okay. <laughs> Okay, okay. This is getting out of hand. But.
6: Oh, now it is. Okay. (laughs) Now it is. When we got to golf. Okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Golf, it's too crazy for the review. We can't handle it. can't handle it. All right, all right, all right. Now, ladies. Don't leave us. Our Promotions Director, Nolan Brumbach, has a very special concert review coming up next for you. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. This is 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins.
7: Hello. My name is Nolan Brumbach and you are listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. This music segment will feature TV Girl and George Platton. TV Girl is a Los Angeles-based band whose members consist of Brad Petering, Jason Wyman, and Wyatt Harmon. The band performed last night, Monday, February 15th at the Downtown Artery. The trio is currently on tour to promote their new album Death of a Party Girl, which released May 8, 2018. On this tour, TV Girl was joined by George Clanton, a New York-based chill-hop DJ. Many members of the audience were mesmerized by the elaborate LED light display. That, combined with the fog machine located on stage, created an elusive aura at the venue. TV Girl was given a very warm welcome from enthusiastic fans. The crowd was lost in the transient music. The crowd was singing along to every lyric, from songs including Seven Days Till Sunday, Cigarettes on the Window, and Birds Don't Sing. The TV Girl tour will continue on to Salt Lake City, Seattle, Washington, Berkeley, California, and finally ending in Los Angeles, where the band is originally from. Overall, the concert was a huge success, and I would not be surprised if they came back on their next tour. Thank you for listening. My name is Nolan Brembach. This has been your music segment on the Rocky Mountain Review.
2: Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins. I'm your host, Emily Moshek, joined in studio by my co-host.
1: I'm J.D. Layton You gave me a weird look there.
2: You slammed your hand on I the was, table just I now. I was just putting myself in
1: a comfortable position Oh, to that speak. was so aggressive. Was, I thought you were like, I
2: don't know. I thought you were trying to tell me something. That's no, no, no. Very confused. Yeah, it's funny to watch. That's oh. <laughs> <It was> awkward. <laughs> if you were watching the live stream on KCSUFM.com probably witnessed that, you so. Yeah, lucky you.
3: But we also have our lovely
2: reporters in the studio today, Katie Otter
3: and Maximus Hunter, who has your national newscast coming right up. Yes, I do. Hi there. My name is Maximus Hunter, and this is your national newscast on the Rocky Mountain Review here at 90.5 KCSU. A temporary funding bill for the government has been drafted by Congress, awaiting comment from the White House. This comes following the longest government shutdown in U.S. history last December, which lasted for 35 days. The shutdown was caused by an inability between the parties in the United States to compromise on funding for border security, specifically a wall proposed by the President. The current funding bill ends this Friday, February 15th, and if a new one is not confirmed, the government will shut down again. Congress has drafted a bill which will go on to the White House with funding for border security. The bill budgets $1.3 billion for physical barriers, which would be fencing, but no wall. This, in addition to its cap on ICE detention beds, put the bill's future into question. Senator Lindsey Graham believes the president will never sign a bill that, quote, caps bed space on violent offenders because that is crazy, unquote. CBS News's Camilo Montoya-Galvez reports, if approved... This bill would fund the remaining appropriation bills for the remainder of this fiscal year. Measles has made a resurgence in the United States, writes Mike McRae of ScienceAlert.com. January of this year alone saw a total of 79 new measles infections across the United States, a solid portion of which come from Clark County, Washington State. Clark County has seen more than 50 new infections this year alone, and measles vaccinations have risen more than 500% from last year. Out of those 50, most are unvaccinated children. According to the CDC, a deadly pathogen like measles can be contained as long as the population remains 90 to 95% vaccinated. Denver teachers continued striking today in a protest for fairer wages, USA Today's Trevor Hughes reports. The Union of Strikers, Denver Classroom Teachers Association, could not compromise with Denver Public Schools administrators and announced the strike on Saturday to its nearly 6,000 teachers. The strike is taking place between the State House and City Hall and could go on indefinitely. Teachers, faculty, parents, and students have been attending. Though schools are attempting to remain running regularly, DPS has staffed its classroom with substitutes and fill-ins for the time being. A video on the Denver Post shows East High School students having a, quote, dance party in the hallways, Elizabeth Hernandez reports. This may become an issue if the strike continues longer than schools can staff replacement educators. The strikers are looking for an increase in starting teacher pay at $45,800 a year, as opposed to the current $43,225 base salary. Teachers are not being paid during the strike although state officials say officiating a solution should be possible. The union is looking for an extra $8 million per year, which is only less than 1% of the overall budget. And finally, some good news for type 2 diabetics. Insulin injections may soon be a thing of the past. Patients of type 2 diabetes have difficulty producing enough insulin from the pancreas to regulate blood sugar and often require daily injections of insulin. However, fear of needles can be a major obstacle for some people, preventing them from taking their medication, Medical News Today's Yella Hewings-Martin, PhD, reports. Researchers at MIT, led by Robert Langer, have developed a new type of pill which will make it possible to directly inject insulin into the lining of the stomach. The pill is a biodegradable capsule encasing a microneedle. The needle is on a spring held back by a sugar disc, Once the disc dissolves, the needle springs into the lining of the stomach, injects the insulin, and then dissolves. And uh, as Emily reminded me, this is actually painless. You do not have um, nerve endings on the inside of your stomach, so this would be a completely painless insulin injection. In order for the needle to land correctly every time, the team took inspiration from the shape of leopard tortoise shells, and the pill has worked in clinical trials. The pill is still being finished, though, Currently, it can only inject up to five milligrams of insulin at a time. That's your national news. I'm Maximus Hunter. Stay tuned to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU. You
1: know, honestly, that's...
3: That, it's amazing what we can do
1: with uh, with pill technology, especially in the fact that uh, you can swallow a biodegradable needle and not have it phase you. That's... I... I I, like, can barely fathom this because this is some serious space-edge technology. This is way cooler than nanobots.
0: <laughs> yeah, very hard to wrap my
2: head around.
3: I can't wait for sh- flu shots like that. Oh, boy.
0: No I don't know. No more flu shots.
1: Oh, Ben. Actually, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. There's oh There's gosh. certainly... With as soon as you have that technology, you can certainly apply it to other things. Maybe maybe shots are a thing
3: of the past and you'll just take pills. That would be the idea
2: of having something moving around in my stomach, stabbing me from the inside, freaks me out.
3: It's not even moving, it's just a little simple machine, just a little uh, little spring with what? a sugar sugar disc timing mechanism. Katie mm. does not Wouldn't like that.
2: It. it sounds like a Ugh, what if it doesn't like biodegrade? This. Oh my god, what if robots take over my body? Like, well, they're
1: <sighs> robots. But I, I, they do already have,
2: have. <laughs> I do have. I do have
1: something now. that I know both okay. of you like.
2: Hashtag. What? <laughs>
1: do you know what time it is?
2: <gasps>
1: There's the gasp, <laughs> and it is time for weather.
2: Weather.
4: Oh my
1: gosh. Ooh, ooh. I will trade off my news director hat for my meteorological. Uh, I like to imagine it as a small umbrella hat. <laughs> 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 so today was actually pretty nice. You know, in comparison to the days we've been having, yesterday it snowed in the morning. Where did that come from? Not so much today. Nice high of uh, 50 degrees, which was pretty pleasant. You know what? Tomorrow is going to be pretty sweet, too. Another high of 50 degrees, partially cloudy. Whew. This week's already looking lovely. Thursday, Valentine's Day. Pff, you'll have to tune in then to find out what's going on.
2: Mm-hmm. Ooh. So stay tuned, because we'll have that weather for you. On Thursday, very crucial for some Valentine's Day date planning.
1: It's true. If there's rain, don't do a picnic. Learn that the hard way.
2: (laughs) Advice. Good advice from from JD. Also, shellfish
1: is bad, too. Shellfish. Shellfish. No, 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 no. It's it's good. If your girlfriend has a shellfish allergy, though, well, yes. shellfish is bad.
2: It's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Are you, just, th-
0: are you just reminding yourself like out loud? Yeah. I, I
2: right think. Don't give Lena shellfish.
0: This <laughs> is <Don't laughs> pack
3: Crab for picnic. Lena, <laughs> no. we
0: won't let him do it. This is yeah, this
1: don't is, don't is from we'll past experience. Not Not fun.
2: Okay, well, thank you for the advice, J.D., but we'll have all sorts of lovely Valentine's Day shenanigans coming up on Thursday, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, that's all we have for the show today, but thank you to our reporters, Max, Maximus Hunter. Katie Otter,
1: as well as Allison Tackett, as well as yes. Allison Tackett, and Nick Baker, as well as Ray McGowan, our two sports directors,
2: and our m- promotions director, I almost said music director because he did music, but our promotions director, Nolan Brumbach, for his music segment, and thank you, JD. You cut me to it. I was going to thank you. Oh, well, I'm shocked. Look this at us. Just, so in sync.
1: I, my heart.
2: Good old news directors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And
1: thank you, dear listener, for always tuning on in. Yes. Coming and uh, listening to some
3: sweet, sweet news. Don't we forget to live your dreams. Yeah. yeah.
2: Live your dreams. We, we appreciate it. Through. They will. They will if you listen to the review. It's true. <laughs> dreams come true on the review. New hashtag. Okay. okay. <laughs> all right. That's all for the show today, but stay tuned. We'll be back Thursday. Keep that dial locked because we've got Summer Solstice by High Sun up next only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.